But we're talking about supernatural increase. And aren't you glad that uh, what happens in your life is not just based on what you can do? I love that part of the song that points us back to the word. All the things we tried to do to help ourselves, but the promises of God are right there. How many know the, the wrong place for your Bible to be sitting on a dusty shelf right now? Amen. Scripture says in Psalm 115, 14, that God will increase you more and more. The R.K. Harrison translation says that he, the Lord, may give you continual prosperity. Say that with me, continual prosperity. And you know, the Bible doesn't have a little footnote that says, except in COVID-19. There is no asterisk there. We've taught you that classic redemption involves God moving in three important areas of your life, and you cannot separate them one from the other. One is spiritual, and one is physical, and one is material. It all starts with us getting born and getting it right with God, but He has redeemed you, body, soul, and spirit. So your redemption through the blood of Jesus is spiritual. Aren't you glad there is a new birth? Aren't you glad there is a destination for you and for me? Aren't you glad that the salvation that you enjoy is real? The forgiveness is real. The righteousness is real. The peace that he provides is real. The Bible says in this world, you're not going to find peace. Where are you going to find that? It's in him. All these things are benefits through that spiritual. But he also does something physically for us. Now he sustains us, keeps us alive so we can do his purpose in the earth. And then one day he's actually going to raise you from the dead. If you are still here when he comes back, instantly translate your body into a glorified body. And uh, it's a wonderful thing just to think that he didn't leave anything out in the redemption. So when you think uh, it doesn't make any difference what happens with the body, no, he made that body. And he is going to give you a new body in the days to come. But he also redeemed you materially. In other words, your provision in this earth and taking care of you is his responsibility and it's his will to increase you. Say this to me, increase is God's will. And that doesn't make any difference if you're on a fixed income, if you're on disability, if you seem like you're in a dead-end job, there's more to God's ability to take care of you than what you can manufacture or produce. Why? Because you've been redeemed spiritually, you've been redeemed physically, and you've been redeemed materially. Now, I'd like to explain it like this. If you were to get a deed in the mail this week from some lawyer somewhere in the country, and it's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of acres that was left to you in somebody's will, and then you find out that not only is the great land there, there's great waterways and streams and rivers and great lakes, and then you find out there's actually you know, natural gas or oil or something very valuable or precious metals in the land. Now, you can say to yourself, I just want the land. I don't want the water. I don't want the minerals. Well, first of all, you'd be stupid if you said that. But you can say that if you want to. Or you can say, I just want the water to go with the land so I can grow some crops or take care of some cattle, whatever. But I don't want the mineral rights. Somebody else can have that. Or you can say, you know what? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I'll take the land. I'll take the water. And I'll take the mineral rights. Now, you can refuse the mineral rights, but don't you dare criticize somebody who's, who takes the mineral rights that were part of that deed. And God taking care of you materially, financially, is part of the deed. It's part of the redemption of God. And the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. 
in God's eyes, he cares just as much about your physical well-being, your physical, you know, healing, your restoration, and your material provision as he does about you being born again. He cares about it all. Come on, say it with me. I'm going to take the land and the water and the mineral rights. But you'd be amazed how many Christians are satisfied with the land or the land and the water and then criticize somebody who would dare believe God for the mineral rights. Can I tell you something? Something more powerful and valuable than money paid for your redemption. And it's the blood of Jesus. Can I have a good amen today? And that's what you have to understand. And that's why you can see in Scripture that God is a God of increase. The Bible says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your what? As your soul prospers, as your mind is renewed and your will is submitted and your emotions are being led by the Spirit of God rather than controlled by emotions. You are living right with God. Righteousness is manifesting in your life. Then He wants you. His desire is that you would prosper in this life. The Bible says in Psalm 35, 27, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of His servant." Somebody says, well, God doesn't care about this. Well, then why does God take pleasure in it? God takes pleasure when you, go, when you do well in the material realm. Now, you're not supposed to be pursuing material. Your job is to pursue God. And guess what will happen if you do that? As part of your redemption, these things will pursue you, come up on you, and overtake you. But there are people who don't understand because they were Western trained by Western religion. They don't understand that God's redemption is not just one dimensional. It's every aspect of your life. And he actually takes pleasure when things go well for you. When you increase, he's the first one cheering. When you get that new job, he's the one that's most excited. When something good happens to you, you know, he celebrates that. Why would he celebrate? Why would he take pleasure in your prosperity? Because he knows the way you got that was with a soul that was first and foremost right with God. Of course, he's going to take pleasure when things go well for you. But people have been so, you know, you know, just baptized, immersed in religion, they can't see that God, in his mind, does not separate one provision of redemption from the other. He cares about you spiritually, say spiritually. He cares about you physically, say physically. And he cares about you financially, say financially. Now we say materially because we're talking about everything that pertains to your life on this earth. That's how God originally set this up. He set you up in the garden that you would have everything you need. His heart has never changed. He still wants to be your provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. And he will never stop being that. But we can limit him. With a lack of faith, a lack of revelation, a lack of understanding. So he takes pleasure when things go well with you. In Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5, it tells us this. Show me your ways. Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For your God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. This phrase, show me your ways, is critical because your increase supernaturally is directly tied to you keeping the ways of God. God has certain ways about him. Supernatural increase is tied to keeping in the ways of God. You saw that little piece of the scripture. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you as well. Now, you don't have a right to say, seek ye first, and then exclude the back part of that, that scripture. 
On the other hand, you just can't seek for all the stuff and forget what comes first. What comes first is seek ye first the kingdom of God. And the Amplified says his ways of being and doing right. In other words, seek his ways and all these other things will be added unto you. If you are faithfully seeking and doing his ways, you're going to see God minister to you spiritually, physically, and financially. And there should be no apology in the heart of the child of God. These are gifts that were blood bought. You just simply have to understand the ways of God, how to line up your life so that he can cause supernatural increase to happen in your life. John 14, 12 says this, there's a way that seems right to man, but it's in, it leads to death. But in God, there are ways that lead to life and victory and health and substance and turnaround. I can perceive it today in this room are people who've been looking for God's help. The turnaround for you is coming. I said the turnaround is coming in Jesus' name. You just need to keep on doing what you're doing. Be steadfast in your resolve. Isaiah 55, 7 says this, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Notice that we're to forsake our ways. We're to throw down what we think is right and then take up the ways of God. And how many know the ways of this world are not the ways of God? So 24-7 you're being bombarded with, do it this way. Think about it this way. Say this. Do that. No, what we're supposed to do is find out what the ways of God are and have faithfulness to his ways. And whenever we run across something that in the word of God tells us that our way is wrong, we need to cast that thing down and stop thinking about it that way and take up God's ways. The good news for you and for me is God's ways are available. Aren't you glad he didn't hide him in a cave somewhere? They are freely revealed in his word and by his spirit to you and to me. Now notice, we're not going to see supernatural increase, you know, if we don't embrace his ways. If we want to see increase, we have to identify and then turn from our ways. And not only are they just, they can be wicked, they can be unprofitable, they can be unscriptural, but oftentimes they are wicked in how we do things. How many understand? You don't have to steal, God will provide for you. I mean, understand, you don't have to manipulate. All you have to do is just trust God. There are a lot of ways that are wicked that you have to turn from if you want to see supernatural increase in your life. Now, let's be plain here. Uh, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. And if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. So you can't sit back with your legs crossed, you know, and your hands up like that, praising the Lord, thinking everything's going to be fine. You need to do what you're supposed to do. But in the process of doing his word, he has a way of releasing essence or supernatural power or anointing on your life to cause you to increase in ways that you can't do it through merely a job or a check or disability or anything like that. It's what? Supernatural. Raise your hand if you believe you got born again supernaturally. Anybody here ever been healed supernaturally? Come on, raise it up high. Have you partaken of that? How many of you have ever had God meet a need financially and you know there was no way that thing was going to be resolved, but God did it for you? How many you know he does it all throughout our lives? It's just we don't always recognize it and thank him for what he has done. 
So when I say supernatural increase, I'm not just talking about what you can do working your fingers to the bone. I know people who work 80, 90 hours a week, got a good job, good salary, good benefits, and their idea is, you know, I'm going to take care of this situation myself. Do you know that you can do it a different way and still see your God provide for you? Amen? Say it with me, supernatural. Everything God does is supernatural. But you know what Christians do? They say, yes, I'm born again supernaturally. Yes, he heals supernaturally. Yes, he does these things supernaturally. But in the area of the economy, in the area of material things, I'm just going to do it the natural way. Well, you could do it that way, but you're, you're leaving something very important out of your life. And God's heart and desire is to bless you. He told his servant Abraham, I am blessing you so that you can be what? A blessing. How many of you like to have a day where one day you could write a check and pay off somebody's mortgage all by yourself? The problem is you have to be blessed to do that. Raise your hand if you ever heard of a need that you wanted to help, but you just couldn't do because it physically wasn't there. It happens a lot, doesn't it? The promise to the sower in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is that the sower would always have what? Always have seed. So no matter what need came up, they could be a part of that. And anybody that's right with God deep in their heart wants to be a part of somebody else's solution. The situation that so many of you were very gracious to give to, and I appreciate your heart for God, uh, ministering, you know, the reality of God and the love of God to somebody in need in a situation like that. But I can tell you this, what ends up happening is, as we understand supernatural increase from God's perspective, he'll begin to tap on our shoulder and we'll begin to be the answer of prayer to somebody else that will make God more real to that person than he's ever been before. Are you here today? That's the power. We just think it's just money, it's filthy lucre. Yes, the love of money is the root of all evil, but money is not evil. Money doesn't have a personality. Money takes on the ethics, values, and personality of the person that possesses it. And this misunderstanding keeps us limited, crying out for help but at the same time, not lining up with the principles that will get us his super natural help. Now, there are several factors or ways of a prosperous soul. And these things are so powerful that you can literally build a platform in the spirit realm and you can stand on that platform. You can function on that platform. You can actually grow from that platform. You can count on that thing. Just like, how many glad the seat is holding you up today? Now, just for fun, I took the uh, screws out of one of the seats in the building today. Maybe you sat in it. Maybe, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. Well, it sounds like something I would do. I just wouldn't do it to you. <laughs> Aren't you glad it holds you up? Because of the ways of God, if you do these ways, it's, it's a platform that you can count on, you can walk on, you can live on, you can grow on. Let me tell you, it's a better foundation than anything you can do by yourself. Amen. And I want to just give these to you because we're talking about these, uh, you know, throughout the, the coming weeks. But I want to first give you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 121, uh, Psalm 128, 1. You need to highlight this verse, memorize this verse. I'm going to have you confess it here in a moment. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. That means job and opportunity and favor, blessings and prosperity will what? Be yours. Now, you know what? I've learned a long time ago that if we're going to be believers, we just need to be believers. If the Bible says something, we need to believe it. 
And what does the Bible say? It says, blessed are all who fear the Lord. Now, what does A-double-L spell? In West Kentucky, what does it spell? All. How many? All. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who reverence, honor, respect the Lord enough to actually do what he said to do. All of them type of believers are going to see God cause fruit and opportunity in their life. It says all who fear the Lord, who what? Walk in his ways. So if you want to understand the fear of the Lord, don't think of it like this. Well, I'm so afraid of him. You know, God's going to get you for that. Here comes a big thunderbolt to take you out. Aren't you glad that our images of God are not accurate? The word depicts a God who is actually good, merciful, loving, and kind. But I know that I fear the Lord if I keep his ways. If I don't keep his ways, I don't fear the Lord. And there are a lot of people in this world that don't fear God. Can I tell you something? One day they will. One way or another. But right now for you and for me, this tells us that the it's a conditional promise that not everybody is going to fear the Lord and demonstrate that by keeping his ways. How do you know that not every Christian walks in the ways of God? Are they born again? Yes. Have they accepted Jesus? Yes. But that doesn't mean they're walking in the ways of God. This scripture is reserved for people who fear the Lord enough to walk in his ways. And the promise is they're going to have the fruit of their labor. They're going to have blessings and prosperity. I mean, no, God's not a liar. I said, God's not a liar. I want you to shout this out with me. Say it with me. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You'll eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. I say like this, blessed are all. Come on, shout it out. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. I will eat the fruit of my labor. Blessings and prosperity will be mine. And all we have to do is line up our lives with our mouth. Selah. There's seven ways that we're going to talk about that are connected to you walking in supernatural increase. The first one is walking in the truth. That means discovery and commitment to the truth of God. The second one is faithfulness, wholehearted devotion, and, in, and uh, really fidelity to what we have learned of God and his word. Third is diligence. That just simply means you continue in the things you have learned. It does you no good to walk in God's ways for two days. Why well, I, I tithe pastor for, for three weeks and nothing happened. You really hung in there, didn't you? You've been stealing from God for 15 years and you want this thing fixed in two weeks. Listen, I didn't say that. God said that. Will a man rob God? Yes, that's what scripture says. Number four is tithing. Given the 10% of one's income from all sources, it's, thought, it's an honor issue. Number five, sowing. That means investing in the kingdom of God financially in other ways beyond the tithe. The tithe is the starting point. Sowing. Number six is believing. The decision to go with God whenever it contradicts our thoughts. The decision to go with God 
and his thoughts, no matter what we think or somebody else may think about a situation. Believing God. How many know believes, when you believe God, it honors him. I feel impressed to, to make sure everybody understands this because when you hear somebody talk derogatory about those word people, those faith people, those Holy Ghost people, let me tell you something. There's nothing about our, our spirituality that is easy or simple in terms of, of the requirements for us to tap into the things of God. Nobody's saying that, you know, just get saved with Jesus and be a faith person. You'll never have any problems. You'll never have any setbacks. Raise your hand if you've never had an issue after you got saved because I want to shake your hand. I want to personally know you. No, my experience is get saved, get right with God, and here comes the enemy. To do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. We read scriptures like without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you're not careful, what you'll do is you'll take that scripture and you'll begin to digest it in a way that is, that is really not accurate in terms of the heart of God. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. A lot of people mistakenly say to themselves, without the manifestation of my faith, it's impossible to please God. Let me help you out here manifestation of your faith pleases you. The faith pleases God. Whether you get the manifestation today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, that's not what pleases God. What pleases God is you believe in him even when you haven't seen the manifestation. And that means everybody in here today can please God. Can believe God, walk in the ways. There is no way that you're going to have a victory and supernatural increase unless you are walking by faith and not by sight. Amen. Shout it out. God's pleased when I believe. I'm pleased when I see the result. He's pleased with the simple fact that I believe. And you don't believe that yet. None of you have seen Jesus and yet he's coming back for you believe. Occasionally somebody's taken a trip to heaven and gotten to see things that most of us haven't seen, but probably most of us, if not all of us in this room, have never been to heaven. And yet you believe. You don't start believing in heaven when you get there. So on this issue of your eternity, God's pleased with you. You've been saved by a person you never physically saw. You didn't see him die for you. You didn't see him get up from the dead. You didn't see him walk this earth and minister to the hit, you know, to, to those that were oppressed and those that needed healing. You, you weren't there, and yet you believe. And I dare say most of you, because you've been well-trained in your redemption and your salvation, we couldn't beat that out of you with a baseball bat. If we beat you down to a greasy spot like John Osteen used to say, that greasy spot would still say, I'm saved. That faith is something that pleases God. Will you get the manifestation of your faith? Will Jesus return like Tim talked about? Yes. Will you be taken to your heavenly home? Yes. Does he still have a plan and purpose for your life here? Absolutely. Come on, say it with me. When I believe. He's pleased. If you please him, ultimately you're going to see the manifestation. The ways of God. The ways of God. Working, walking in truth, faithfulness, diligence, tithing, sowing, believing. And then last is saying. 
It's very important that our mouth lines up with the Word of God. There's life and death and the power of the tongue. And no matter how many times we hear this, we've got to hear it again. Because your mouth doesn't stay sanctified any more than your hair stays combed. Look at somebody and say, I know you. Your mouth needs sanctified. Come on, say it one more time. My mouth needs sanctified on a daily basis. Is it possible? Can you see that if you walk in the ways of God, God's going to move in your life like never before? Yes, amen. Let's talk a little bit about walking in the truth today. Say that we'll be walking in the truth. When I say walking in the truth, I'm not talking about what this world talks about, walking in your truth. I don't care how many billionaires tell you, live your truth, darling, live your truth. There is no live your truth. There's only the truth. So when we say walking in the truth, we're not talking about you walking your truth. We're talking about you walking in the truth. Well, that's awful narrow-minded. Well, God can afford to be narrow-minded. He happens to be right. In 3 John 1, 4, the apostle says this to Gaius, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. What a thing to say. This great apostle in 3 John verse 2 said, I wish above all things that I mayest prosper and be in good health. His number one prayer desire was for their well-being. But then he turned right around and said that my greatest joy is hearing you walk in the truth. Very tiny books. In fact, they're the two shortest books in the Bible and yet the power in them. I pray and I wish above all things I may prosper and be in healthy even as your soul prospers. And then he goes on to say that nothing brings me joy like hearing that y'all are walking in the truth. I'm not physically there with you right now, but I, I've heard about you. You've got a reputation. When the rubber meets the road at the end of the day, you're walking in the truth. Now, walking means not in and out. It means a lifestyle, a decision to keep walking in what God actually says. What's interesting is in 2 John, he's talking to a woman that's not identified. He's writing to a woman. He calls himself the elder and he calls her elect. And he says this. He says, it brings me joy that some of your children are walking in truth. Back to back, this tells us that Nothing gives him greater joy than walking than his people walking in the truth. But then he goes on to say that not everybody that's named of the household of faith is walking in truth. Now, fortunately for you and for me, it's not your job to make sure everybody walks in truth. It's your job to do what? Make sure you are walking in the truth. And that's why I don't care where you're starting at right now. You may be at the top of the world financially, at the bottom of the barrel. You may be self-employed, well-employed, not employed, retired, disabled. It doesn't make any difference because these principles aren't based on your condition. It's based on God's promises. If you keep your way, the ways of God, you can absolutely see supernatural increase in your life no matter what your station is. Anybody can walk in truth.
Thank you for your enthusiasm over that. I'll take Anna's amen any day. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Anybody can walk in truth. You know, that's not even the issue. Amen. Again, he says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. I got to know what the truth is to walk in it. Guide me. John 18, 38, Pilate said, what is truth? That's what people are doing today. They say there is no truth, so therefore there is no reason for one person to think that they have a, a standard and something that is authoritative for us and for others. And you can see what a mess this world is. And if the Christians back off of what is true, there will be no truth in this world. Truth comes through you and through me. And they don't like it. Hallelujah. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, to get the full impact of what this scripture is saying, you should read it like this. I am the only way. I am the only truth. And I am the only life. And that is why this world doesn't like Christians very much. There's not 15 ways to heaven. There's not 20 holy books. There's not many saviors. There's only one that died for you and for me. Now, I don't doubt that most of the world, including all the naysayers and those that live like the devil, want to actually go to a place called heaven. They just don't want to do what's required to get there. They want to do what they want to do and then get the same heavenly reward that you get. But how many understand when they leave this life, reality is going to set in? There is no other way. There's no other name given among men under heaven by which men must be saved. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. You're not living life outside of Christ. You're living far below what it is to live Zoe life. You don't even get to start living your life until you give your life over to him. Amen. Aren't you glad you did? Come on, say it. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John 15, 7 says this, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. How do you know if the word is actually abiding in you? I'll tell you how, because it talks to you. If the word's not talking to you, then it's not abiding in you. Sometimes you'll do something stupid and the word will rise up and correct you on that. You may have a day where you're discouraged, but you've been putting the word in and the word will rise up and tell you, be not discouraged. 
Some days you get up and your body won't feel well, but you've been putting the Bible in, putting, putting the word in on healing and the, the word of God will rise up and talk to you. By his stripes you're healed. He sent forth this word and he healed you. He carried your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and by his stripes you were healed. He sent forth his word and healed you. You don't know how you're going to pay that bill, make ends meet, but you've been in the word. Listening to pastor talk about classic redemption. You found out there are promises there for you financially. My God shall supply all my needs according to what? His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When it's rising up and talking to you, you know you've been abiding in it. When all hell breaks loose in your life and there's silence, that's not God forsaking you. That's you not having the word abiding in you. Say it with me. The word that talks to me is the word that abides in me. And that's what we're talking about. The truth, the word of God. Walking in the truth is living free from error, deception, and consistent with the word of God. Walking in truth is walking in the living word of God. This should be the most well-read resource you have in your life. It shouldn't be a newspaper. It shouldn't be a book. It should be the word of God. This is the only place you're going to find the way, the truth, and the life. This is the only place you're going to find what the truth actually is. And if I'm supposed to walk in the way of truth, I can't do that if I don't know what the truth is. This world's not going to help you. A lot of Christians won't help you. They don't know the truth either. Do you know it's possible to get saved and sit in church the day you die and never know the truth? This is a true story. I was raised up in a church, and I thank God for the foundation I had. But when I did get born again, get saved, I remember asking my sister, tell me something about Jesus. Why would that happen? Because we didn't actually learn all that much. And it's not that uncommon to technically be associated with church, even have personal faith in him, and not know his ways because we don't know his truth. You need to be a word person. I said, you need to be a word person. I tell you what, you get this one right, the rest of them will flow naturally in your life. Walking in the truth is the first key to supernatural increase. And I'm going to tell you this, you just let the word of God be challenged in your life if you want to. The word of God says that in Malachi, test me in this and see if I will what? If I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you what? You can't contain it. You know when the earth was flooded by the water in Noah's day, that the water went 22, 23 feet above the highest mountain. Do you know the same word is used in this context? You test him in this and see if he will not flood your life with blessings that you can't possibly contain. And it starts with walking in his ways. Jesus looked at Nathanael in John 1, and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile, no deception. He could have said it like this. Nathanael is one who is trying and striving to walk in my ways. 
I don't care who you are today. If you'll walk in his ways, he'll cause supernatural increase to rise up in your life. No matter what your situation is. Colossians 1.7 from the NLT says, Let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. It's possible to get into the Bible and then not apply it rightly and it not grow roots in your life. It's the, the word that's got roots in your life that's going to bear all the fruit. This is the most valuable thing you'll ever hear from any pulpit. Walk in the truth. Remember that old song, Though None Go With Me? So like what? Follow. You make sure that you're the one word person in every setting you're in. You walk into a business and they're all a bunch of heathen, you're the word person. You walk into a, to a church ministry environment, you make sure you're the word person. Because walking in the word is key to your increase. Come on, say it. Nothing can stop my increase if I walk in the truth. Say it like you believe it now. Nothing can stop my increase if I will walk in the truth. Aren't you glad we don't have to search for it? Don't have to hide. You know, it's not hidden from us. It's not somewhere like in a, in a treasure map situation. You know, X marks the spot. No, it's made available to us. How I many of y'all have phones, iPhones, iPads, and you have the Bible on them? You have access to hundreds of translations. Men were put to death simply for translating the Bible into English. Think of that. And yet, look what we have. It's not how many translations we have, it's how many of them we're actually walking in. Pick one you understand and walk in it. I can't understand the King James. Pick one that you can't understand and walk in it. That's the bigger picture. Man came to my office one time saying, I just want to know what Bible you teach out of. I said, I teach out of several translations. Well, there's only one. It's the King James Version. I like, I love the beauty of the King James Version, but also use oh. And I looked at him and I said, you spend a lot of time on this, don't you? He says, oh, hours a day. Hours. I said, uh, when's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? Dead silence. What good is it what translation you have if you don't do it? Kelly was speaking here one day for me. I was out of town somewhere and... Uh, First of all, they freaked out because she was a female. Just go read the Bible and you'll find out that the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out upon the sons and the daughters. You'll find out that in the New Testament it has to do with covering and not whether God can use a woman to teach and to preach. I'll tell you what, it's, it's a dangerous thing to be pickled in religion juice. Dear God, Aren't you glad you've been set free from that? T.L. Osborne, the great missionary evangelist, you know, went to Africa and won thousands and thousands were healed. He looked at Brother Copeland one time and said, Hallelujah, you were born free, now stay free. You know what he meant? You didn't have all this nonsense sewn into your mind, into your life, that God is your problem and God is this and God is that. You just believe the word of God. Smart man. 
Amen. Kelly goes up to speak. Bless her heart. She's not reading from the King James. This guy grabs his Bible. <laughs> he goes straight out the back door. This is the only Bible. So he's upset about the Bible. He's also upset about, you know, a female persuasion actually in the pulpit. <laughs> One of our greeters just so wisely just kind of opened up the door and said, have a nice day. <laughs> Take your little religion juice and hit the road. Amen. That's not what we're talking about by walking in the truth. Turn to someone and tell them. Pick a translation you understand. And then walk in it. People used to criticize Mark Randall about the way he did outreach and evangelism on campus. I heard him say this on more than one occasion. One person was just criticized. Well, that's, you're not doing it the right way. I mean, think about that. The average Christian never witnesses in their life. Anyway, you're trying to do evangelism, but a good deal. You're not doing it the right way. Well, what are you doing? Well, we're not really doing anything. He said, I like my way better. <laughs> I like my translation that I'm doing better than the one you hold to in great esteem, but don't do any of it. Walk in the ways of God. Walking in the truth. Just three things I just want to sow into your heart today about Walking in the truth that anybody in here can do. Number one, you need to know the truth. Knowing the truth is key. Not religion, not tradition, not what Oprah said, you know, not what some talk show host said, not what somebody on CNN said. What is the truth? Know the truth. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 8, 31, to the Jews who had believed in him, see, people can believe and not walk in the truth. To those that believed in him, he said this. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So believing is not enough. I got to continue. I've got to be a disciple and then revelation is going to begin to flow. The truth is going to flow and that truth is going to set me free. Believing is not enough to go free. You have to know the truth, and then it will make you free. Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Oh, some say you're this, some say you're that, you're one of the prophets that rose, whatever. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, by revelation, said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but what? My Father in heaven. And he went on to say, and upon this rock, this rock of revealed knowledge, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's how powerful the truth is. You think that because people are at war with God and his servants, that somehow truth is going to fail? Truth is not going to fail in this nation. Truth is going to prevail in this nation. And if you think the president is really the target of this spirit, it's not. That target, you're the target. It's just embodied right now in somebody who is very visible. But I promise you that antichrist spirit hates you. 
just as much as it hates somebody who's defending the rights of the unborn and who's done more to defend Christians in this country and around the world than any president in U.S. history. That's fact. Over and over again, we get news of people being held captive, being tortured. We have operatives on the ground to either set them free violently or get them free by diplomacy. That's the way it should be. And the devil hates his stinking guts. You say, well, he was this and he was that and he did this and he did that. Let me tell you something. What do we follow you around the past 50 years of your life and put all your mistakes on the news? You won't be so quick to judge somebody who's less than perfect. But you need to understand there's a war going on and it's a war against truth. When somebody says that every life matters, that is truth that is biblical and those that hate life will oppose it. It's a war. So what do you do? You make up your mind. I'm going to be that disciple. And I'm going to get that revelation. And I'm going to build my life as well as see him build the church on the rock of revealed knowledge. In Acts 17, 11, the Bible speaks of the Bereans who were very noble. Why? Because they searched the scriptures. Say it with me, I searched the scriptures. I don't expect you just to take at face value what a Sunday school teacher here says or what I say. I, I challenge you, go to the word of God. Anybody that would tell you to stay away from the Word of God is doing that because they're not preaching the Word of God. Some of you grew up in a tradition. I won't name the name Catholic. Excuse me. And many were told not to read the Bible. If you were in a good parish, your priest told you to read the Bible. Get into the Word of God. But you'll find out there are lots of things that have nothing to do with the Word of God in Catholic tradition, in Lutheran tradition, in Methodist tradition, in Presbyterian tradition, and shockingly in Assemblies of God tradition, and in Charismatic in Word tradition. So what you have to do, regardless of what you're exposed to, is come down on the side of the Word and walk in the ways of God, the truth of God. Say it with me. I got to know the truth. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 through 3. Why this is so important. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children, after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commandments that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life here, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may, what, increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord your God, your ancestors, uh, the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you when you are walking in the word and, and you're walking in the truth, it sets you up for increase. And this was given to us thousands of years ago in Deuteronomy. God hadn't changed any. Point to somebody and say, if you'll walk in the truth, that same God will increase you. Come on, say it, I believe. The God of increase is visiting my house. How do I walk on the truth? First, I have to know the truth. Number two, then I have to choose the truth. Oh, there are a lot of people who know things. My uh, homiletics and hermeneutics professor in seminary, 
sat under a man in Harvard who had the entire Greek New Testament memorized. Some of us do well just to know a word or two. How many understand that everybody is born with Rick Renner's anointing? <laughs> you can just literally open up a Greek Testament and just begin to preach from any spot in that Testament. This man was like that. Every word, everything memorized. And then afterwards, he'd invite all the students to go drinking in a bar with him. Most nights, to go home and fall down drunk. You can what? Be exposed to, even know it, and yet not choose to do what it says. Say it, I know, and I choose. Listen to this scripture. In Deuteronomy 28, and it shall come to pass. If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments, which I give thee this day, and the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. What is God saying here? There's a choice you have to make. Having a going with God every time is better than going against God. <laughs> but this is a choice you make today and tomorrow. You just don't do it on Sundays. Every day you choose to hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God. How do we hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God? We don't get to hear him every day physically. We hearken diligently by looking at and obeying what the word of God says every single day. We choose that we're going to walk in this truth. It's not enough to know the truth. We have to choose the truth. Scripture tells us in Joshua 24, 15, many of you know this scripture, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves the day, uh, this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me, as for me, and what? And my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. And what was Joshua saying? We've all now heard and be reminded of the word. Now, what y'all do with it, that's up to you. But as for the household of Joshua, we're choosing the word we know. We're choosing to go with God. Say it with me, knowing the word. Choosing the word. Choosing the truth. And number three, doing the truth. This shouldn't be some great revelation. But you'd be amazed the thousands of sermons that are in us and many of them we're not doing. Thank you for those amens, hallelujah. Take a holy grunt. Knowing the truth, getting up and choosing the truth, that's all fine and dandy, but when the rubber meets the road, I need to do the truth. James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Pastor, what's the deception in this? The deception is that because I heard the sermon, it's benefiting me. Now I get knowledge of the truth and I can get fired up. I choose the truth. That's great. I vote the truth. But then when you are challenged with scriptures like that, if you're not doing what you're hearing, 
than yourself to see because you're not benefiting yourself. The increase we talk about comes in actually doing the word that we have heard and we've chosen to obey, actually putting it into practice in our lives. You remember the scripture in Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears words and does not put them into practice is like the man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was what? Was what? was complete, was great, was total. And the only difference is both of them had knowledge of the truth. I bet you they both got up, you know, saying, you know what, I'm going to choose the truth. But when it came down to actually doing the truth, one did. How many understand right now it's possible there's somebody in your row that's not doing? Look at y'all looking at each other. Some of you spouses. <laughs> I mean, these guys probably went to the same church. Went to the same Sunday school. <laughs> but one actually did it. One was, was, you know, preserved, and you can see supernatural increase in his life. The other one is losing everything. Amen. One of the most enjoyable times that my mom has had since moving here was the night that a tree was struck by lightning and fell on their house. That was lots of fun. And then there was the time it takes to actually repair all that. Amen. Now that tree probably was 90, 100 years old. Oh, it looked marvelous. I mean, you couldn't find a limb where it had big, beautiful green leaves on it. In fact, in my mind, it was probably the healthiest tree out there. But when lightning hit it, it fell and fell in the direction of their house. Now, the first miracle was it landed on a big limb and broke the fall. We could have easily just sliced the house in two. And it happened to be headed towards exactly where they were at at the moment. So we thank God for his provision and his protection, do you? You don't believe that God protects? I'm telling you this, between my dad and my brother, angels are asking for a timeout. I'm telling you that we know what it is for God to move in our family. You know, tag team and angel, you go in now. I'm tired, man. These angels are wearing us out. My brother was just a little guy. He was sitting too close to a baseball game, and one of the little kids had a wooden baseball bat and actually threw the bat across the road, hit him in the head. Skull fracture would have killed anybody normally. But he's alive. It does explain a lot of things, but he is alive right now. Um, I, you know, I was just a little bitty type. All I can remember is the, the commotion and all the fuss and vaguely remember, you know, cars coming and going. But I can tell you that, that he shouldn't have made it. Should have never been able to get him out of that uh, 
out of that subdivision, let alone to where he could get the help in the hospital. Amen. We know what it is. But it was hard to see in the dark and it was raining. The only thing that uh, we were interested in doing at that point in time is Rick and Bill and Tim and me and they got up on top of the roof and they're trying to get, you know, the holes covered with some tarp without damaging the house any more than it already was. And you really couldn't tell all that much about that tree until the next morning when you look at it and everything at the base of the tree had been eaten out. On the outside, it looked like somebody knew the truth. On the outside, it looked like somebody was choosing the truth. But on the inside, it was like somebody who wasn't doing the truth. That tree was a, living a lie. Are you here? A lot of Christians look just like that. But the first challenge that comes, they're not going to stand. Because it's not enough to know and choose. You have to do what? You have to do the truth to walk in the truth. Psalm 1, you know this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law. What? Day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See this? Whatever they what? They do. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Watch that. Make sure you're meditating on it so that you can be careful to what? Not just to know it, not just to choose it, but what? If I'm not meditating in the word, if I'm not spending time in God's word, I'm not capable of doing it. I want you to hear that again. If the only time you're subjected to the word is when I'm preaching, and you know what, we're word people, so we're going to give it to you. Not as much word as Kelly would give you when she preaches. <laughs> Genesis to Revelation and back again. But if you're not exposed to the word, if you're not reading, if you're not meditating, if you're not thinking about when push comes to shove, you are not going to do it. Which means you can't walk in the truth, which means you're not going to see a supernatural increase. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Aren't you glad for that? Say it. I'm knowing the truth. I'm choosing the truth. I'm doing the truth. There's a young man named Uzziah who was sitting to the throne as a teenager. And the Bible says that he sat under the feet of a great prophet named Zechariah and he sought God and he pursued God. He was knowing the truth and choosing the truth and doing the truth. And the scripture says that God blessed everything he did. I mean, he prospered in every realm, financially, numerically. The kingdom was flourishing with strength and with peace. The scripture says that this man had over 350,000 men in a standing army. 
By today's standards, it would be one of the largest standing armies in the world. Everything he did, as the scripture says, God prospered. Why? He knew and he chose and chose it and then he did it. And for some strange reason, as he, after he was successful, he began to let pride rise up in his heart. He went into the temple to burn incense, which was only allowable by the high priest. And when the high priest and other courageous priests rebuked him, he raged at them. And the Bible says he became instantly leprous and he lost everything. What's the moral of the story? To walk in the truth, I can't do it for a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years. I need to keep doing it. The day you stop doing the word is the day your increase can fall apart. Your blessing can fall apart. Your victory can fall apart. I'm sure it grieved the heart of God to see how much he wanted his son to be blessed, but his son Uzziah made the decision to begin stop doing what the word had said. I've got to know it. I'm telling you, and how you understand, a lot of people associated with this ministry know some truth. And in their heart, they choose some truth. But can I tell you something? Not everybody's doing it. Everybody can. So go ahead and put a smile on your face. Say it with me. I choose the truth, and I'm doing the truth in Jesus' name. What a sad story. I've often told you this. What, what is so powerful that it could get a man or a woman of God who has known the truth and chosen the truth to get them to stop doing the truth? What could be so powerful that they would stop doing the thing that blessed them? The rich young ruler, it was, he was sad. Uzziah, he was mad. Mad. And all of a sudden, everything, his track record, all the good stuff is diminished. This man had technology that other civilizations didn't discover and implement in war for decades and decades, in some cases, centuries to come. But Uzziah was blessed by God. Amen. Come on and say it. I choose what I know, and I do what I choose. Come on, stand on your feet and shout it out. I choose what I know. And I do what I choose. I choose to walk in the truth. Amen. Walking in the truth, nothing can stop you.